0: Hi everyone, this is Rabbi Yaakov Wolby, and before we begin uh, this podcast, I want to share with you a quick message. I started recording my Torah classes in podcast form in early 2013. Basically, I just took my phone and recorded and uploaded my Torah class that I was anyhow giving in my capacity as Outreach Director of Torch and put them online. Well, since then, it's been remarkable. I branched out into four separate podcast channels, one a Jewish philosophy, This Jewish Life, the Jewish History Podcast, the Parsha Podcast, the Torah 101 Podcast, and of course links to those podcast feeds are found in the description of every podcast. And over the years, I've seen remarkable success in spreading Torah using this medium, and frankly, it's been quite humbling. All four podcast channels have been featured on the iTunes Top 10 Jewish Podcasts worldwide, and in fact, two of them actually spent time on the number one overall slot worldwide on iTunes for the category of Judaism. So it's been fantastic. And as of today, today today's March 22nd. We already uploaded 37 podcasts in 2017. And the rate of downloads is more than double of last year. So that's been remarkably gratifying for me. Uh, Particularly wonderful is when people from all across the globe email me and tell me how much they enjoy the classes. And as always, you can always email me RabbiWalby at And Now today, I have a favor to ask of you. I work for a Jewish outreach organization in Houston called Torch, the Torah Outreach Resource Center of Houston. They pay the bills to allow me the astonishing amount of time needed to prepare and deliver these classes and these podcasts. And these podcasts are just a small part of the Torch's operations. We have hundreds of educational events annually. We have social events. We have a Jewish outreach center in Houston, we send students to Israel, and we do an annual, once a year, online fundraiser at GiveTorch.com. Now, my request from you is, if you enjoy the podcasts, and want to support our work, please go to GiveTorch.com and donate to the cause. This is a once in the year appeal. If you're interested in giving, please just pause the podcast, go right now, and make a donation to our campaign. Please email me, let me know that you support the podcast and our efforts. Again, the website is givetorch.com. And as always, thanks for downloading, thanks for listening, and enjoy. Okay, so we spent the recent weeks talking about the idea of a Muna broadly and how it relates to mitzvos. Uh the Ramban, the Gemara, essentially, other sources are clear that the objective of mitzvahs, or one of the objectives of mitzvahs, is to take our amuna and make it real, make it concrete. Last week we gave a bunch of examples of what does it mean to have concrete to Make it like it's part of who you are, it's your emotions, it's your instincts, it's the way you interact with the world, it's your perspective, it's your it's your outlook, it's who you are. It's not just an idea in your head. And there's a vast gulf and chasm between theoretical amuna, where if I ask you, oh, yeah, sure, I believe in God, and practical in mean, women. We have a few examples of what the difference looks like. So, for example, if you were to go talk to Obama or President, whatever President is, right? Come to Trump in the morning. At 7 o'clock, you'll probably wake up at 4. we will about the fall back to sleep. And you'll get dressed and you'll shave twice, make sure you get all your hairs. And you'll, you'll go there and you're preparing early. And, and you go there and, and, and you make sure you say everything correctly. And you're all nervous, you're all fidgety. But when you're praying, you're actually talking to an entity that's much more powerful than a human president or a human king. doesn't have term limits and doesn't have any limitations of checks and balances. And yet, when we pray, we don't actually feel like we're talking to someone important, much less a king, much less the king of all kings, the Almighty. Yes, we know we're talking to Hashem, but it's it's an idea. It's not practical. I'll give you an example. I, I think I might have mentioned this. I uh, had a friend in high school who would always wear a tie to Davin, which was bizarre in a yeshiva high school. And I asked him, well, why are you doing this? Says, well, if I was talking to the president, I would wear a tie. I certainly, I'm talking to God. I'm for sure wearing a tie. And, he, and you know what? He's right, but that does demonstrate there's a degree of seriousness and realness that he is attributing towards prayer that most of us are not. And the question is, that's life. We're trying to get to there. In fact, the Mishnah tells us, ben it goes through someone's development throughout their life. When they're 90, lasuach, sicha. Sicha means easy conversation. Vayeitse Yitzchot lasuach basada. When, the verse tells us that when, when Yitzchot went to pray, went to Davin, he went lasuach, to talk, to converse in the fields. Yitzchot achieved a level of familiarity with the Almighty that he was like talking to, to an old friend, an old acquaintance. That's a development of the relationship throughout the years. But the big, Thing to climb is not to just say to, to be casual from the beginning, but first it's seriousness. But even like you said, even if, even a king or a president that you get more familiar with, you could ease and become more comfortable with. I just think in kind of another analogy, uh, that I like a lot. You have two kids, right? And both of them know that touching a fire is unwise because the fire is very hot, very dangerous, and it'll burn you, it'll hurt you really badly. Two childs. And both of them know that And it's true, and neither of them question it. But one of them, actually, initially, the way he learned, most likely he, not a she, is by testing it. You have those kids who want to test everything. So the kid stuck his finger into the fire. And you know what? He felt the automatic withdrawal, and he felt the pain, and he knows that fire is hot, but to him... That is much more visceral knowledge. When he thinks about touching the fire, he gets goosebumps, he gets scared, he's guarding, he's preparing, he's he, he's telling us, don't touch it." He has a phobia, so to speak, from the fire. Both of them know that the fire is hot. One of them is an intellectual knowledge, and the person who actually touched it, it's a much more practical, much more real. And there's many gradients from when we are introduced to a theoretical concept until we become, we know it's true, and then, even when it's true, you don't question it. But is it visceral? Is it penetrating who you are? Do you shake when you think about it? And we're even told, as many of your sources, Ashri Adam Mafachatam, it's good for someone to always be shaken. The idea of Yira, fearing God, the Mishael Shtrum tells us that it used to be that people feared God and they were shaking all the time. We have an example: someone who lived in this century, most recent century, who died in 1971. Uh, his contemporary said, if you met Rabchatzo Levenstein, his name was, if you met him, you look, he looks to you like an alien, a fellow a different planet. Why? Because he was literally living his life with trepidation as if he's in front of a king at all times. That's the way he was. We're not used to that. But that's a level of a Muna where it's, it's real. You have a monarch and there's the sword of Damocles yeah, yeah. right on top of you, hanging on top of you, and you're in constant Fear, real fear. How you, not you have to have God before you at all times. How are you not terrified? Your life is hanging on a thread. How are you not terrified? The reason why we're not terrified is because it's not real. But over the course of our life and through mitzvahs, we're going to bring an idea that's theoretical and make it more and more progressively real. Now, all mitzvos we're told by the Ramban, help us to bring us along these steps. Every mitzvah. And I think there's a simple, there's like like a broad way of looking at mitzvahs in general. There's an individual way of looking at every mitzvah. Uh, In general, we could say, listen, every mitzvah is an action that we do for one reason. Because the Almighty tells us to do it. And that's why if someone does any mitzvah, you give someone a ride, right? The guy says, thank you. You say, eh, I was going there anyway. "Eh, I would do it for anyone. That's a mistake. You should say no. I'm doing a mitzvah not because I'm going there anyhow, and because I would do it for anyone. I'm doing it because it's a mitzvah, and the Almighty told me to do it. And it's the same action, but one of them is a mitzvah, one of them is something you would have done anyhow. How could is that a mitzvah? Mitzvah means it's commanded by God, and that's why I'm doing it. That's the motivation behind it. If I just do a random act, if I have if the Almighty programs an Android, if I program an Android to put on film, is that a mitzvah? No. That's a robot putting on filling. It has nothing to do with a mitzvah. A mitzvah is when someone acts because God says act. And mm-hmm. someone refrains from acting because God says, no, don't do that. That's a mitzvah. And that, doing a mitzvah in such a manner, that is what brings someone to a munah. You're doing a mitzvah for a reason. You're doing it because God says so. And your whole life you're saying, I'm going to do this because God says so. And you're making it more and more practical. You start behaving in a way... And it starts to penetrate into who you are and change you internally. I want to look at one mitzvah that is a a very common mitzvah that really is pervasive. It permeates Jewish life. And that is the mitzvah of prayer. I want to analyze it uh, and try to understand, just use this as a model for mitzvahs in general. And we know that there's prayers for everything in Judaism. There's a whole book called Aneni, which is a compilation of prayers. For every conceivable life situation, we have daily prayers, morning, afternoon, night, uh, fourth prayer on Shabbos and holidays, a fifth prayer on Yom Kippur, uh, prayers that we say in the form of blessings, prayers that we say in the form of blessing before food, blessings after going to the bathroom, prayers at morning, prayers at night before we go to sleep. Prayers really are every day uh, aspect of Jewish life. And the prayers, of course, relate to every aspect of our life as well. Uh, We pray for prosperity, we pray for health, we pray for our families, we pray for the Jewish people, we pray for spiritual things, we pray for material things. It's really, so to speak, what we look at as our pipeline for goodness in life. And there's some major questions with prayer, just philosophical problems with prayer. We're told, it's in fact one of the 13 principles of Amuna, that the Almighty knows our thoughts and knows our actions. If so, why do we need to have Verbal prayer. Prayer has to be verbal. Why? Let's just think of it in our heads, and we, the mind knows what we want, knows what we need, and knows what uh, we could kind of conjugate in our mind statements. Why do we have to say it?
1: Because we need to know it. Like there has to be that sort of sense of cognitive capital of the word, but just Realness. understanding. Yeah. Uh, okay, so, so it's for us, not for God, right?
0: Well, okay. I, for sure, everyone agrees with that. I think. Uh, I think it's, it's a, it's a, it's a common misconception that we're praying for God. Of course, you believe the Jewish definition of God. God doesn't need our prayers or our mitzvahs or our Torah or anything. But another question here. This is a little bit more of a advanced question. Someone's sick. What do we do? We gather the troops. Let's say Tehillim. Let's say the Erotzon in, in Rafa'inu. Let's, everyone try to say, let's try to get the person healthy. Someone's poor. Says a Talmud. How do you become rich? Yidaven. You pray. Okay. Someone's sick. Who made them sick? The Almighty. Will they live or die? Who's going to decide? The Almighty. the Almighty. So we're trying to interfere and intervene in God's plans. God runs the world. What, why are we trying to change things? If someone, the Talmud tells us, call the Avrahman al it, Everything the Almighty does is for good. So if the night kills someone, is that good? Yeah. If someone's sick, if they have cancer, who gave them cancer? God. Ah, you know what? I have a better idea. Why don't you listen to me? I want the guy to live, and not like you say the almighty is should die. What's going on over here?
1: Well, maybe Shem bases his decisions because he knows what we're going to choose. We have a, a choice, but he knows what we're going to choose. So maybe part of the decision is knowing that we're going to end up dominating, and then saying, "Oh, they're going like, to—they're they're, dominating this hard, this much." Then the decision is.
0: So you're saying that God's not the only one who makes decisions; it's us as well. You're you're, abs- you're right. And the the real answer to this, and we're skipping ahead a little bit, but the real answer is that who decides what happens in the world? It's God, of course, but God allows us to determine as well. That's the idea of free will. Right? Free will. The verse tells us very clearly that when when Adam. When he got free will, on the higher level of free will after he did the sin, he became like God.
1: God is a, God sees the world. Go ahead. From a bird's eye view. So he sees the beginning of the timeline and the end of the timeline. Go ahead. He knows if I stick my right hand to the right or to the left.
0: So he knows I'm he knows our free will choices. Right. So, so
1: therefore is that free will?
0: That's a very famous question. Look at right. the Rambam and Parake of Hukelstuva. Right. It's a good question. But that's the reason why you asked this but we question. We don't have a choice. No, we do have a choice. The Ramam says because very he clearly. he's
1: going to die, he's going to die?
0: Not necessarily.
1: Yeah. Will our Yes. That, and when that. he dies, it's God saying no, right? That's the same, the same Maybe same
0: yes, way. or maybe, maybe we didn't dominate hard enough. Oh, yeah. The, the, the Medrash tells us that there's no limits to prayer. When, when there's the, no limits uh, to prayer.
1: Moshe would intervene to have Exactly.
0: And another great example, when Moshe prayed in Va'eschanon, how many times did he pray? 5.15. One more. I'll have to change everything because I'll have to listen to you. Asking the question of what God knew is conflating two different realities. We're taking God's reality and our reality and we're morphing the two together. And that's why it's such a hard theological problem to ask how does the money know what's going to happen? And if he knows, then how are we going to have choice to it's, affect that?
1: It's kind of like, uh, said something like there's, there's a, there's a, you know, there, there's Hashem, and then he created the, like, the, the system that runs the world. And, and that is what we can, we can, like, offer by our choice. And that is governed by the rules that he, that he, that he said. And it oh. can be changed. I like that.
0: I, that's I the that. Uh, the Chinuch says that very right, famously. Brother. That, that there, there is the a children. structure in which we live. It's called Teva and Teva means if someone is playing uh, hockey on a rooftop without any without any fences and they're playing you it You could end your they, life. Early. You could yes,
1: definitely do that. If you're in front of a moving train, you are not meant to die then you will you killed yourself. you killed yourself.
0: Yes, yes, of course. So that, that, that 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 what, means that's you what that's what free will later, is. Right? That's what free will mean, means. And by the way, this extends to other people as well. If someone else could choose to kill your life, even though you're not supposed to die, unless you're at tzaddik, tzaddik has an extra degree of shield, extra degrees of protection. We're getting a little bit off topic here. But
1: Hashem knows that you're going to commit suicide. He might
0: not be. It doesn't matter, but Hashem, Hashem allows, think, us okay, allows us to do what we want.
1: Going back to, it shows that there's still free will, even though Hashem knows what we're going to choose. Yeah. Because Hashem didn't want us to die. Well, we're still dying because we committed suicide. He knew we were going to commit suicide, but he didn't make us commit
0: suicide. Of course. And that's the thing. The, with minor exceptions, like uh, in the instance of Paro, a Pharaoh, the, Ram, the Ramam there, in, of Hilchus, in the fifth chapter of Hilchus there, Tshuva, the Ramam says that that's a once-in-a-million exception where someone's free will is suspended temporarily. Uh, the Ramchal writes that... People do not have free will to destroy the world. We live in a world, in a, an arena, so to speak, where free will choices happen in the arena. But to destroy the arena itself, to destroy free will, we don't have free will to destroy free will. And that's why my grandfather wrote in the 70s, at the height of the Cold War, never be, uh, there will never be a nuclear war. He said that based on this from khal uh, based on this Lutat, Rabbi Moshe Lechaim Lutzato, writes that there's limitations to free will. I cannot choose to destroy free will itself. And therefore, to destroy the world and destroy free will itself, that is not within the bounds of someone's free will. Right. And therefore, and therefore we can't do that. So nuclear war will never happen. Through human action, we can't destroy the world ourselves. Okay, so let's get back to our core question. So someone's sick. Who made them sick? God. So what are we trying to do to interfere? So Zaki hit the nail on the head. And that is that in the decision room, so to speak, of what happens in this world, there's God, of course, but we have a seat at the table. We have free will, therefore we could choose to become great people or poor people, jump off, jump off the roof or not, fight ahead, to forge ahead, to lose, to wilt, to let our spiritual neshama die. That's all within our hands. And that's the Almighty giving us a, a seat at the table to determine what happens in, in our life and how do we affect that change? Primarily with prayer.
1: But my point Broke is broken dreams is free will but if Hashem doesn't want it to happen of course it, that's what I'm saying but generally
0: happen. generally with some exceptions right. uh, we have free will. So for example the Chinuch writes this when Abraham is thrown into the fiery furnace he doesn't want to bow down to Nimrod's idol he's thrown into the furnace well what happens not a single hair on his head gets singed. Why? Because the Almighty says this is a tzaddik and a is a level higher than... This is what the chinuch says. A brilliant idea. The... Yes, we're subject to nature, right? But suppose you have a cup of water and a little fire. And you pour the cup of water on the fire. What happens to the fire? It gets put out. Why? Fire burns. The answer is there's something on a higher level, so to speak, on this totem pole. And the water is more powerful than the fire, and thus it extinguishes it. Well, the, the laws of nature broadly... Are less powerful, high, so to speak, higher than that is the tzaddik, and therefore the rules apply to us, but not to Abraham. Abraham is, is guided only by God. Not
1: necessarily, not a I mean, It could have done. tzaddik wanted
0: to. Well, yes, of course. But but someone else and the laws of nature are not subject to him. God. Of course, God controls everything. But God generally says you're subject to nature. If you're a tzaddik, you're subject to God. If God wants you dead. God will kill you, of course. The more someone becomes a tzaddik, the more mean? they're offloading. Well,
1: what do you mean? The most recent, Kaduri of Kaduri, he passed away at 108 years old. He smoked he was 108 years old. Three and packs he of was, unfiltered. And he, was hel- and he was healthy and walked without a cane. He can make so sense of a, a And he learned all day, all decision. night. So he but definitely defies the, the laws of, laws of everything. I was at his... Uh, you know, walk, walk. Of no,
0: no but, but, doing that, but doing that would be a sin. So that he's sinning and he's supposed himself... Yeah, it's a very temple. was one hundred and four years old. was. No, I'm just talking just about
1: perfect. the health it part where you loses defy. Loses
0: but then you lose it. your protection. If you bring something into yourself, you lose your protection.
1: No, but yeah, if, was, like, if you walk into a dangerous place, then you lose your
0: protection. Yeah, but, you're but if you're thrown time. in, but yeah, yeah, of course. There's yeah, there's yeah. That and that applies. By the way, Reb Chaim Shulev was famously said that mm-hmm. if someone has an issayan, a test with the Yetzer Rao, evil inclination, they're given a certain dosage of Siat of divine assistance. To help get them through that. But if they bring it onto themselves, then they're on their own. If you, if you actively thrust the Eitzra onto yourself, then you're subject to it. And therefore, and, and you're on your own. You still try to fight, but it's less likely that you'll be successful because the odds are stacked against you. Obviously, this is a broader subject. But either way, the, the, the core idea is that free will is given to us. And free will is a real power. And, but kind of going back to prayer in a little in a little way. So there's other questions as well. I want to ask. So, so prayers are sometimes not answered. A very common question is that the prayers that we're using today are 2,400 year old prayers canonized by the Melchizedek Assembly. It's hard for us to try to inject our feelings of prayer into cookie cutter words that we say every day. Also, another interesting question. Uh, we know the Rambam says there's a mitzvah to daven every day, to pray every day. It's a mitzvah in the Torah. So for 900 years after Moshe gives us the Torah, we have a mitzvah to pray, right? For oso saavod. Yet only 2,400 years ago, so 900 years later, do the Men's Great Assembly codify the words of prayer. So I want to just kind of bring this full circle here. Of course, we will do a part two next week. Um, But the fundamental bedrock principle of the, of prayer is that we're not praying for God, certainly, and we're praying for ourselves. And the real benefit, the real boon of prayer is that we build through our prayer, emuna, reliant, faith in God. This is a great example. Indeed, God could have given us everything without us, without resorting to us needing to pray. Of course. But what do we need? What's life here about? What's this journey all about? It's about getting faith. And how do we have faith? By subjecting ourselves, by changing, by migrating the faith down from our head, from intellectual realms, to our body. Why do you do that? You have to remind yourself every day that everything's from God. Everything's from God. My health is from God, and my happiness is from God, and my finances from God, and and the security, and everything, everything, everything is from God. And by doing that, we're impressing upon ourselves the idea of real, tangible faith. And we reached at the age of 90. I know I have stored my grandfather. I said this before, I'll say it again. I was there. My grandfather was a great tzaddik. And when he was uh, 90 years old, he was very sick. And uh, we had a different grandchild stay with him every night. Because otherwise he'd wake up my grandmother. I was there one night, either way. And he wakes up at 3 o'clock. And he's excited like a kid the day before a trip to Disneyland. He wants to go pray. I say, Saba, it's three o'clock. You have four hours to prayer. Go back to sleep. Back to sleep. 3.30 is up again. Four o'clock is up again. He gets up. He gets dressed. He goes to sit down by his bench in his house and his hands on his knees. I'm waiting. Three hours before prayer. Someone like that who spent a whole lifetime trying to make the relationship with God real. Well, what happens? It becomes real. You're actually talking to the president tomorrow morning. You can't sleep. Our grandfather would never pray in the afternoon, late in the afternoon. Over here we do, we take mincha maiv, kill two birds with one stone, right? Let's get it over with. He would always pray the early, mincha gdola, the earliest time to pray. So that way you, 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 uh, space out your prayers. Morning, early, early afternoon, and evening. That, but that's the attitude. The attitude is, and he demonstrated this, he always pray in the afternoon, early afternoon. Why? I cannot go 12 hours from the morning to the afternoon until I'm going to talk to God again. If it was real, it's, it's real. It's real. Amen. And as a result, this is an interesting thing. So is prayer about faith or is it about getting our goodies that we need? Okay, so so, so the way uh, the what's the altar of Kelm, mm-hmm. when the students were in one of the visionaries of the Muslim movement, the way he explained it, he said that the end objective is about faith. That's the ultimate goal why the Almighty gave us means midst of Prayer, as a tool to get faith. But, because the Almighty wanted us to use it, he made everything else contingent upon prayer. So, yes, we need to pray to have our sustenance and our health and our prosperity and all that. But, that's not the end objective. The end objective is the faith, but in order to encourage us to use that, the Almighty made everything contingent on faith. So, for example, Adam has all the things, everything's there ready, but the veg- vegetables are not sprouting because he's not praying. Well, if prayer is about faith, let's just make it about faith. The answer is no. It's about faith, but in order to achieve the objective of faith, the Almighty linked to prayer the power to actually evoke all the things that we want. I'm going to talk a little bit of uh, other reasons why we have prayer. You think about it this way. You're a parent, and you're very wealthy. Do you want to spoil your kids and give them everything that they want? Maybe you want to do that, but that's a a mistake parenting-wise because you're making kids to spoil the obnoxious brat. The smart thing to do is to, is to moderate it. So the man to give us everything, the Bible says, you know what? Everything you get, you have to humble yourself and become a better person to unlock all the goodness through prayer. Another quick example. Um, we're told in Genesis that the serpent is punished. Why? Because of his sins. Okay. What's his punishment? You're gonna eat dirt. Well, that's not a punishment. You're gonna to go on to your belly. Is that right? It's not a punishment to eat dirt. You'll never be hungry. It's plentiful. That's a blessing. How is that? A, how is that a curse given to the serpent? It's not
1: healthy. I mean, you're eating
0: dirt. But that's you became. They became physiologically wired to like dirt, to eat dirt. What's the problem? Whatever. But. You'll never go hungry. All the animals could perhaps starve to death. You'll never go hungry. There's so much dirt everywhere. The answer is, is that, yes, you'll have all your needs taken care of, but you won't have a relationship with God. You won't grow. You, you can everything's there for you. Uh,
1: never, you're never, you're never forced to develop a relationship with, with God. Step out of your
0: comfort zone. Yeah, and we'll develop a relationship with God. Right. And us, everything we have is linked to prayer. In order to get anything, we have to pray. And therefore, what do we have? we are assured that we'll always maintain our relationship with God. So as we see, prayer really is a classic example of a mitzvah, which one, one mitzvah out of many that is entirely engineered and oriented to make us have a really powerful, vibrant, and real relationship with God. Let's try to utilize that power and really try to uh, utilize it to our fullest. It's an amazing thing. Everything is at our fingertips. Talmud says, you want to become rich? Pray. You want to have male sons? Pray. You want to become very wise and a great Torah scholar? Pray. Everything's prayer.